How do leaders influence without authority? Welcome to another episode of Relearning Leadership, where we explore a specific leadership challenge and break it down to help improve your leadership, your organization, and just possibly your personal life. I'm Pete Behrens, and today I want to talk about influence. And I've got a special guest to help us work through this challenge. Brad Swanson, Organizational Systems Coach and Agile Leadership Journey Guide. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you, Pete. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And I want to start it out kind of easy. So, so let's start with a definition. What what does influence actually mean? Yeah, um, I would say that influence, and I'm borrowing a little bit from the dictionary here. I, I cheated, <laughs> paraphrasing. That's fine. But um, the capacity to affect someone's behavior uh, would be my, my kind of working definition in this context. We're talking about this in the context of authority as well and leadership. Uh, leaders, in some situations, they do have authority. And with authority, you influence people to some extent through coercion. You have power <laughs> over them. Um, you can control or even, uh, in some sense, manipulate people. Um, and, and even even if it's not intentional, um, I remember a quote I heard, I think it was from uh, a former military leader once who said, when, when you're a leader, any suggestion you make is actually a command or an order mm. that you can't just mm. make a suggestion. People hear it as I must do this. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of in that sense, you know, you wonder if I have the authority do we even put that in the same bucket of influence? Because what you're saying is almost like there's the concept of demand or dictate or, or like you say, a command. I assume that's a form of influence, um, but that's like in a totally different realm than I think what we're trying to to get at here. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I, I'm looking here at those cases where you either do not have direct authority or you want to you want to exercise your influence without pushing on that uh, command button, without uh, being the the dictator or demanding something. Yeah. Well, let's maybe let's get into maybe why this is so hard. So, what is it you think you know leaders most often get wrong with influence? Um, I think I think it's it's more difficult. It requires a little bit more effort sometimes to influence without using that authority lever. Uh, I think it can take more time and can require building up trust with people first. Uh, so it can feel a lot more expedient as that leader to just say, hey, do this, do that, here's the answer, mm. um, than it can be to take the time and effort to, to really persuade someone and, and get them on board uh, internally so that they're self-motivated towards mm. achieving a particular goal. So, so what I'm hearing then is really influence is if we can counter that with direction or dictation of, of some behavior, like you can get somebody to do something that that's not really influence. It's, it's almost more in that manipulation or direction versus you're saying like, Influence is much more about how do you get somebody to kind of have an internal orientation towards 
maybe I want to do this, or this is interesting or exciting, or it's motivational to do this. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like like how you said that, that internal um, motivation, that self-motivation for someone to go after a goal or, or proceed forward with the plan, which ultimately uh, can be more sustainable as a leader if, if you constantly have to be telling people what to do and using that authority, then you're, you're likely going to have to keep coming back uh, and, and doing that over again versus convincing or persuading someone to go along with a plan or an idea of their own, um, you know, through their own agreement with, with that plan or strategy or, or goal. Yeah. So it, it becomes, you, you become dependent with, without having effective influence. I guess you, you, you yeah. really lack the ability to empower, to delegate, to, to let go in, in a lot of ways. So it mm -hmm. sounds like there's a lot of benefits to, to a proper influence. Yeah. So, all right. So if, if leaders most often get wrong, kind of this, this push versus pull, maybe mentality, talk to us a little bit about what are some strategies to help invoke this? What, what are some things yeah. maybe they do incorrectly that we can maybe then correct you know, in terms of some of our behaviors? Yeah. So one technique is rather than starting with the solution or the answer or the directive, start by understanding um, or helping others to understand what is the problem? What is what is mm -hmm. the why? Um, as as Simon Sinek puts it, start with why. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I think, um, again, it's it's about first pausing to uh, perhaps listen to others and understand what are their challenges or pain points. Try to connect to something that would, would motivate them to then, you know, pursue a particular goal or solution. Um, or uh, even coming in and starting with your own challenge or problem. We have to help people to care about the problem before they'll care about the solution. So that's what often is missing. If we just come in with a solution and someone doesn't even fully appreciate what the problem is, they're not likely to be fully on board. I mean, it sounds like the, the more work we put into what needs to happen, the less effective our influence is likely going to be. Like the more we put into a solution, the more we put into thinking the next steps, the more we kind of uh, try to control us it like, it's almost like you're saying, pull back, <laughs> stop trying to tell, stop trying to kind of go all that way. It's almost like, how as a leader do we engage before we're ready? Is that maybe that's a, that's a way to start thinking about this? Yeah, I think that's, that's one good way to think about it. Um, I think it's also, you're leaning in there on kind of transferring the ownership. Um, if, if it's all about my solution, my answer, my strategy, then, then I own it versus if I can convince someone else to understand the true problem and they take ownership for solution or at least their partners in creating the solution, again, they, they're going to have that self-internal motivation to move forward versus just doing what I tell them to do. Yeah, yeah. Do you have an example of this or, or something maybe help us relate to it a little bit better? Yeah. Uh, so I do a lot of work in organizations where I'm helping them to implement agile practices. And, and oftentimes I'm working with mid-level leaders. And 
and and oftentimes it's it's someone higher up, someone senior who has decided we are going on this agile adoption initiative, and they're sort of this cascades down then, of course, to mid-level leaders. Um, so they've been tasked with implementing it. Um, so for me as a coach coming in, um, you know, one thing I can just come in and say, hey, you need to do these things because a boss said, and, and I'm here to help you versus come in and start by asking some of these folks, uh, tell me what, what are some of the challenges you're facing? Um, and what are some maybe pain points you'd love to be able to solve? And then once I, once I hear what those are, I can tie that back to, well, here are some techniques that perhaps come from the Agile Toolkit or the Lean Toolkit uh, that can help you to solve those pain points versus uh, implement this practice because someone told you to. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, sign me up. I've been there. <laughs> I, 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 that was my first implementation of Scrum was, you know, coming in and telling the team, guys, we're doing Scrum versus all right, what problem are we trying to solve? <laughs> like, what is this we're trying to get better at? And I think had I, I wish I could go back in time and just tell my former self to say, hey, um, Pete, rethink about this challenge and, and what is it you're trying to do? And I can think about how much more engaging that would have been for the people. Like they saw me as dictator. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was totally achiever leader code in it mm -hmm. and telling, hey, scrum's the way. Um, I can imagine it's pretty common for lots of things, though. Yeah, guilty is charged here, too. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, uh, I certainly, my first attempts at this, very much approached it from that expert leadership potential of, hey, I'm here with the answers, and I'll give you all the answers. So I, I'd like to think I've advanced past that, hopefully, at this stage. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine we're probably still falling the trap. It's, it's uh, not an easy one to always uh, uh, stay out of. Okay, so we've got we've got the avoid the solution. So step back a little bit, think about questions, think about problems. Mm -hmm. um, let's go to another another space. What's yeah. what's another? I know you've done a lot of writing on this, and and we'll refer to the readers uh, some of the writing Brad's done uh, on some of these topics. But but yeah, let's dive into one more. Yeah, sure. In fact, this this same technique of starting by listening and, and trying to discover challenges, pain points, empathizing with others um, ties into one of the other techniques, which is building trust first. If we want to uh, influence others, oftentimes we do need to establish trust. And by asking questions first, you know, genuine questions with curiosity that's a key ingredient in establishing the trust. So you kind of get uh, uh, kill two birds with one stone here, kind of going in with, with this approach. Um, this, this demonstrates to others that, hey, I'm not here to meet my own needs. I'm here to help you with, with your needs. And that's a key ingredient in, in getting that place where you, you build trust um, now, there's more to it. Trust is something that, again, takes time and effort, um, and uh, you, you won't generally establish trust with just one, you know, one instance of asking a question, but it is a good, good first step. So did my partner put you up to this? <laughs> I can see you're like, Pete, listen, empathy, where's that, right? Uh, uh, you know, it seems, seems so basic. Um, yeah, when I know we're under pressure, and I know sometimes when we're 
feeling responsible um, or we just see the path forward. It's just so much easier to just go. Um, so I can imagine for many people, this is very kind of, it feels slow or it feels, yeah. um, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's respectful, but at the same time, does it move the needle? I can imagine hearing from a lot of my coaching uh, clients like, hey, Pete, <laughs> it's too slow. Can you respond yeah. to that? Yeah. And that's where if we go back to authority again, you know, authority feels like the expedient way to do that, right? Oh, I, I don't want to take the time to build this relationship and, and work on the trust and ask a bunch of questions. I'm busy. I have a, a hundred things I need to do today. So I'm going to press on the authority button and just come in and tell people, here's, here's what I need you to do. Uh, and, and that that's tough, especially because leaders are so busy. There's so many demands on their time. I think, again, it takes that longer term perspective of understanding if I can establish that trust long term, I'm going to be much better off. I mean, what you're what you're describing is is such a shift from the work to the person doing the work or the people doing the work, right? I mean, it's a, it's a complete focus shift that I think a lot of us, including me, have to practice or have to learn how to leverage kind of that, that focal shift. We talk a lot about expert and achiever catalyst and right and that mm -hmm. catalyst focuses on those people, the people doing the work. Um, and so you're talking about relationship and, and developing relationship, developing trust. Um, is it that simple? Is it is it simply just, you know, is it listening? Is it asking questions or is there more to it? I, th I think there is more. I think that's um, I think you have a really keen insight there that it is this shift away from I need to get this work done to I need to focus on these people who will get the work done and and enable them. Um, I know we've done other Another podcast here on the idea of agency. How do I give them the agency to to get that work done? Again, it's a mm -hmm. it's a more sustainable, more effective solution in the long term. But it it does feel slower at first, and that's what can make it so hard when it would be so easy to just come in and tell people what to do. You know, it's interesting. You reminded me of a story of a leader who um, was considered aloof, right? Considered disconnected, and and. Um, you know, he evaluated a lot of his behaviors and, you know, he had a lot of meetings in his office and, and um, you know, he would kind of be back to back in meetings. And so you come in, you execute and you leave and it's very kind of regimented. And, you mm. know, one of his techniques to kind of become more human was to spread his meetings out, put his meetings in different parts of the building before COVID. Um, and so he would walk around, he would get there a little early, leave a little bit late and, and it was fun just to see how some of downtime, right? Just give a little space created relationship development, which then made him more connected, which I believe then probably helped his influence as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great story. Creating deliberately creating those opportunities where you can make some connections with people where it isn't all about the agenda on the schedule for the meeting, but there's some open time for uh, for some human connection there. Yeah. 
Yeah. So any, uh, yeah, any final words for listeners um, in terms of maybe next steps they can take in, in terms of improving their uh, influence? Um, I'll give one more quick tip because a lot of times we, we may be trying to influence up where we, in fact, we do not have that authority. Um, and another common mistake is to try to give people a, a laundry list of reasons why why someone should do something or sign on for something. Um, but, but a lot of research says you're, you're far better if you can just give one convincing argument. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the reason for that is when you give a laundry list of reasons why someone should uh, follow along with your idea, your, your weaker reasons water down and mm-hmm. um, ultimately um, – weaken your strong arguments. So people then tend to dismiss all of your arguments if they can find one argument that has a weakness in it. <laughs> Seems so counterintuitive. I mean, you want to just come out with the ammunition, you know, this, right. this, 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 we need to do this. And what you're saying is highlight something really significant, important and stick to it. Focus. Less is more. Yeah, there's research that back, backs that up uh, from uh, Adam Grant uh, shared some of that in his book, Think Again. Uh, and you're right, it is counterintuitive. You would think that, hey, the more reasons I can give someone, the better off I am, the more more influence I'm likely to have, but probably not in that case. Hmm. Well, Brad, I appreciate uh, you sharing a bit about uh, this with us today. And uh, for those uh, listening, uh, we'll share some additional links where you can explore this topic a little bit more. So thank you for joining us today, Brad. And thank you, Pete. Relearning Leadership is the official podcast of the Agile Leadership Journey. Together, we build better leaders. It's hosted by me, Pete Behrens, with contributions from our Global Guide community. It's produced by Ryan Dugan, with music by Joy Zimmerman. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a review, or share a comment. And visit our website, agileleadershipjourney.com forward slash podcast for guest profiles, episode references, transcripts, and to explore more about your own leadership journey. 